Hello product innovators. Today we learned the importance of doing CAD design in a design for manufacturing method from a senior industrial design expert. This is the Product Startup Podcast, a show to learn from top leaders in hardware product development, prototyping, manufacturing, product selling, and everything in between. Hosted by Kevin Mako, the leading expert on product development for hardware startups. Welcome back everyone. Today I'm very excited to introduce Paul Davis to the show. Paul is a senior industrial designer at our very own Mako Design for almost 10 years. He achieved honors status at a degree in product design engineering and industrial design at the University of Edinburgh. Today, Paul is going to share some valuable knowledge for inventors, startups, and small manufacturers on the difference between basic CAD and design for manufacturing, why it's so important to do design for manufacturing from the beginning of the design process, and best practices to designing a great product to be producible and be a big success in the market. Now, on to the episode. This show is produced by Mako Design, the original firm providing end-to-end consumer product development services tailored specifically to hardware startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Take your product from idea to store shelves at macodesign.com. Now, on to the episode. Hey, Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to have you on the show today to talk about design for manufacturing, why it's so important, not just a major differentiation between just regular designing a product idea versus designing specifically for manufacturing a product, but why it's so important to be considering and building in planning for and doing design for manufacturing early in the industrial design process for a new hardware product. Before we jump into all that, Paul, just give us a bit of a background of how you got to the success that you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So I graduated from Edinburgh Napier University, product design, and there was also the engineering side as well. So not only were we designing to make something look clean, sexy, um, and appealing to the market, we also understood the engineering behind it, how it's going to be made, the materials that you need to use to get to market, and ensuring things are cost-effective to make. Combining those two skill sets made a very useful degree. I had the privilege in Switzerland where I specialized in working on prototype design and figuring out the nuts and bolts before working on designing for for production. So that was kind of my degree before I moved to Toronto in 2012, where I did a six-month internship at Mackle before I got hired. So here we are today. Yeah, almost 10 years later, worked on countless amount of products, dozens upon dozens that are on the shelves that people can buy today at major retailers, on Amazon, you name it. Paul's name is behind many of these uh, that that you see on the shelves behind me, actually, and obviously many that are in the Mako showrooms and so on uh, across our studios. So today, I really want to talk about the importance of those early stages of design. This is a really critical juncture. And a lot of the time, it's something, especially non-technical hardware founders don't really put a lot of emphasis on or understand the importance of. The early ideation and design phases, although it may seem relatively simple or and likely is relatively lower cost than maybe some of the more hardcore engineering and prototyping subsequent phases, the reality behind that is this is arguably your most important phase. This is the entire platform, the infrastructure, the base of everything that you do going forward. Not only can it ensure that your design is great, not only can it ensure that your design is manufacturable, but it will save you a lot of money as well in the development process if you build it correctly from the beginning. So Paul, talk a bit about what the difference is between just roughing up some 3D CAD design versus developing that industrial design and CAD design specifically for manufacturing, traditional design for manufacturing logic. 
Yeah, absolutely. And just to your point there, Kev, like the main reason companies and vendors come to Macro for help is they want their products on store shelves. They don't want to paint a pretty PDF picture and go, hey, I'm happy now, you know? So our goal is to really, from the early stage of CAD, where we're just conceptualizing, here's how we want it to look in the future. This is the main goal. All the way through to, okay, this product is now manufacturable. We've considered the materials. We've considered the surface finish, the textures, how this part is actually going to be physically made. When we are working on the early stage concept CAD design, that CAD file we will use all the way through to the final production unit. So talk about that in more detail. The concept design is typically just, this is how it's going to look from an external standpoint. When we move into prototyping rounds, we're looking at potentially doing three prototypes, including like a nice, clean, simple mock-up to get an idea of form factor and how this part could work through to a more mechanical, detailed pre-production prototype where we've kind of ironed out the kinks. We know how this thing is going to feel, the form factor, the ergonomics, the mechanics of the part, pretty much dialed in. From experience, my most successful products on the market are the simple ones. They don't have many bells and whistles, which you've probably had in the podcast a few times. They're simple to make. They're easy to make. Tooling costs are low. That can get your first product off the ground and running. You've highlighted a couple of really important things in there. First of all, designing for simplicity. That is a key element of design for manufacturing and something, again, that is typically overlooked by non-technical founders or first-time founders for hardware startups. When you think of your original product idea, first thing that comes to mind is all these bells and whistles and accessories and variety of different features that could be added into the product. But the reality, especially as a hardware startup, is simplicity equals success. So the more that you can factor in reducing features, but focusing on quality of the fewer features that you have, that's how you get a great starting product to market. We talk a lot about MVP on the show, minimum viable product. And it's really important to understand, especially in the hardware space, and which is very different than software, is MVP means that yes, you've reduced features, but of the fewer features you have, you focus on quality. And that is really instrumental in terms of the design. And that happens all the way back into the original ideation and first CAD modeling that you do. You start obviously with some basic form and structured feature sets, et cetera, that's built through sketching and a variety of other tools and processes that we have in our tool belt to pull the idea onto paper and to make sure that it's a really good product market fit. But when you've got through that portion of it and you start actually building the CAD, you want to be thinking about how you're actually designing that CAD to be a producible product in the end. And that's something as well that you mentioned, Paul. The second thing that I like that you highlighted there is utilizing the software and the technology and the knowledge right from your initial CAD model all the way through to manufacturing, because that is also a big difference. You don't want to start with just roughing up let's call it computer graphics or computer game software to visualize and interpret the, your actual 3D model because you're already past that phase. Now, when you're building your CAD model, do it right from the beginning. So you build 100%. it in global caliber manufacturing CAD software so that the foundation is strong. And as you go through your prototyping phases, you're tweaking and refining and perfecting that model all the way through to and including production and even including scaling up production. That model is the exact same CAD model, just obviously modified and improved as it goes through these various steps. So Paul, talk about a few of the actual manufacturing considerations when you're designing the product. I want to get a bit more into the details here in terms of like parts, materials, OEM versus non-custom, et cetera, that sort of stuff that really drives some of that design for manufacturing logic into your original industrial design CAD models. 
Yeah, absolutely. And to your point about um, using the same software from the very beginning, it gives us the opportunity to really focus on how this part or a product is going to be made from a very early stage. We don't have to always go full detail right away, but we do have the ability to be like, okay, we we can get the dimensions roughed in. We know exactly how big this part will be considering future manufacturing processes. It doesn't always have to be, I call it a blue sky design. There's thought, there's engineering thought behind it already from an early stage. I always like to tell my clients that we still have to go through prototyping, but we are thinking about how this part's going to be made in the future from the get-go. They always kind of feel more confident knowing that we're not just painting a pretty PDF is what I, I usually say. It's like we're actually putting thought behind it. And the engineering team that we have on board is the skills across the board are just, we're one next level. So we're very, very lucky to have the tools and resources on site to do that. So, but to your point, talking more towards what changes need to be made moving into CAD, this is where we really get into the nitty gritty and detailing of the CAD model, where it really depends from experience. Typically, I either work alongside a tooling engineer and they'll send the CAD back with the CAD changes that they need made in order to make it suitable for manufacturing. So to your point, Kev, about the manufacturing considerations in the early stages of the concept CAD design, we get to the stage where at the end of the day, we want this product to be cost effective to make. Does that mean we have to use off-the-shelf parts? Does that mean we have to use a certain material or manufacturing process to achieve that? These are the type of mechanical things and manufacturing things we're thinking about from an early stage. So I can use our product as an example. We knew this part was going to be injection molded from ABS plastic, for example. And we knew that we had the rough end CAD from the original concept. Prototyping CAD was good, but now we have to make an injection molding tool for this. How do we do that? And we have to consider many factors. Draft angles need to be considered when we're talking about injection molded parts, depending on the size of the part or the size of the tool. Uh, the draft angle can have an impact on the overall final appearance of the of the part. So we have to consider that from an early stage as well. Is this part interlocking into a second piece? We have to look at tolerances. We have to look at how this part's going to be fastened to a second piece. So from an early stage, we're considering are we using OEM parts? Are we using custom parts? What can we get away with to make sure that we're making a cost-effective design to mass produce? Because that is our end goal. Our goal is to ensure our clients are making cost-effective and quality designs for them to move into mass production. And it all starts from that original CAD design, where we're always considering these form factors and manufacturing constraints moving forward into more refined CAD. Yeah, that's so important, especially to do from the early design phases, because if you can think of all these elements and understand how they all fit together, then it makes it exponentially easier as you jump into prototyping to isolate certain things that you can't tell. What are some of the unique facets of this product that we really have to test in order to ensure and just focus on improving those things? The other things we know, we've already designed it for manufacturing. We've got good quality parts and all of the elements of draft angles and part tolerances and material specification documents, et cetera, are solid. But if we drill down into the parts that we're really not sure of, maybe something connects. Is there a weak point? What are the stress points? It allows us to hyper-isolate on those things as we move into prototyping phases so that we're not testing a whole variety of random things and we're isolating on really just the breakpoints or the unknowns. And that's how you can create a great product because every product is unique. Even if it's a relatively simple product, there's going to be a handful of custom things on that product that is unique to you that will have its own challenges that need to be solved. It's always the case with really any hardware product. 
So as you get into the prototyping phase, if you've really built out a strong CAD model with a lot of the redundancies built in from day one, then it allows you really to build the best possible product, also considering cost. So you're both focusing on quality and cost at the same time. So fundamentally, building the platform strong is extremely helpful. I always say to clients early on, it sometimes scares them off, but nine times out of 10, it doesn't, is you don't want to go into your product development journey and jump straight to production. I know this touches more on the the prototyping side, but you don't want to drop, say, 50K on tooling for a hinge nut to work, for example. It's very hard to change tooling once you've committed to it. So prototype, prototype, prototype until you get to the stage where you're really confident. And then that's where we start to dissect the CAD, get it manufacturable ready. We talk to engineers. These tooling experts know what they're talking about. And we can get a really nice production run going. I also like to mention that even when you do get to the stage where you've made tooling for your part, they're not just going to pump out your first 1,000 units. You will get to see a production sample to make any final adjustments that you want to make. Do one final check over and make sure you're happy. Because that's that question I get asked a lot. Is like, are we just, that's it? We're going to just make a thousand units and that we're selling them now? It's like, no, no, you have, you have time. <laughs> you have time to have a look. Ideally, you don't have to make any changes at that point because it can be, is a lot more complex to make tooling changes. But it's always nice to know that you will have that final unit in your hand before you pull the trigger. Yeah, I mean, that's always a super helpful pace. It's usually an exciting thing. And this whole thing comes around the theme is if you invest a little bit more upfront for every phase following, it makes those phases easier, faster, smoother. If you look at the life cycle of a product from sketch all the way through to scaling up production, those who really designed and built and thought the product through early are going to spend exponentially less than those that thought they were saving money by cutting corners. 100%. Those corners that you cut become way more expensive down the road. And although a lot of people like to pass the buck forward when they think it makes sense to save a couple bucks today, just know that at some point that day is going to arrive and it's going to be a very problematic and difficult (laughs) day. There's already enough challenges in developing a new product. So if you do it well, then you can seriously eliminate the vast majority of those challenges again, so that you can isolate on the very few unique specialized challenges to really create amazing IP and a great product. That's what makes for an amazing product. You've thought both about the user, but also the manufacturability, the quality standpoint, and simplicity of the product, especially as a hardware startup. One of the things that we typically drill down on in the actual industrial design phase is what we call concept mechanical. And this is where you're not just doing typical visual design, but the mechanical engineering that actually builds the foundation of the product as well underneath. And that's a lot of the concepts we're talking about are looped into this overarching concept of concept mechanical engineering, essentially building out as much of the internal mechanics and ribbing, et cetera, that builds, let's call it the internal skeleton of the project so that the external works well. So the features, functions, et cetera. Now it's not exactly as clear cut as that. Sometimes the external is the internal, but the point being is that you've got to focus both on function, aesthetics, sexiness, modernness, as well as detailed engineering, engineering, planning, part procurement, et cetera so yeah. that you have both in order to really manufacture a great product. You're finding that balance. You want this thing to function. You want it to be quality. You want it to be cost-effective. But you also want it to be eye-popping. You want people that want to buy this. Once you strike that perfect balance between aesthetics, function, quality, cost-effective, you can really, really build on that first product. And that's when it gets exciting. 
that's definitely the, the perks of this job is getting it to that stage. Just seeing client success stories, it's heartwarming. That's one of the most beautiful parts of the job. Yeah. I've, it's that transition from you, know, you put all this work into all that development, design, engineering, prototyping, getting everything prepared for manufacturing, getting manufacturing set up, doing the production sample, making sure that production sample is perfect based on everything that's been done up to that point in time, and then actually seeing your units start to hit the shell. So that yeah. really is a special moment. I like how you put it, heartwarming. Yeah. That's yeah. the perfect way to describe <laughs> yeah. it because it's really a magical moment where you go from investing into the business to now starting to flip the switch and be like, okay, yeah. let's start scaling up sales. Let's yeah. start monetizing this and start making money and bringing it in and then expanding the brand. And I think what's so amazing, especially for first-time founders, is once you understand the process of how to design, develop a product well from the beginning, you see it go through, you see it come to life. All of a sudden, it enhances your ability of a founder to execute on those ideas, not just on the first product that you developed, but from there, you almost always inevitably start coming up with the pro version or yeah. the net accessories for this yeah. or different markets for the product. And then that is how really brands start. If you look at all the world's major hardware brands, they started somewhere. They almost always started one relatively simple product that solved a very important pain point for yeah. a handful of people. And then from there, they scaled. And that's the best way that you can look at a hardware startup, especially is start small. We talked about MVP, strip down the features, spend less with your industrial design firm on mm -hmm. less features, but of the features that you do, make sure you nail those out of the park. Yeah. High quality, cost effective, built to global standards, all of the rest that we talked about. And if you do it that way, you have an amazing product that hits the market. You start to scale that and then you start developing your next iterations or inventions, or if the product continues to sell and you just want to focus on sales, sales, sales and profitability, then you ride that wave. Sometimes for years, people will ride one product for decades. So it's totally up to you as the founder. And obviously the hard work's going into that. But I think the biggest point of this podcast is start early on that process, start early doing things the right way. And that smooths everything out for you going down the channel and getting that business off the ground. Yeah, honestly, like it really is the reason I love working at Macro. A lot of success stories and being able to actually purchase something from a store that you made is always really rewarding. So I look forward to many more projects. And like you mentioned, like come up with a nice, simple idea. It may sound too simple at the start, but you'll get there. Although we have a, a wide range of diverse products, I've brought textile products to market, mechanical, handheld tools. They all have one thing in common, and it's they just keep it nice and simple, few parts, and very easy to manufacture. I think if you take those three boxes, you are setting yourself up for success. It's really rewarding to get to that stage. Well, Paul, thanks so much for all your words of wisdom. Thanks for having me, Kev. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate being on the show, and we'll talk again soon. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast. If you found some value in the show, please do us a huge favor and hit the like button and subscribe. If you have any questions, guest suggestions, or anything else, feel free to reach out to us anytime at our email, podcast at macodesign.com. This show is hosted by Kevin Mako, North America's leading expert on product development for hardware startups. And the podcast is produced by Mako Design, the original firm providing end-to-end -end consumer product development services tailored specifically to hardware startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Take your product from idea to store shelves at MakoDesign.com. That's M-A-K-O design.com. Thanks for joining and see you again soon.